So tonight you'll see that uh, the topic that I want to speak about is doing church God's way. Because when we look at church, when we come together like this, there is man's way and there is God's way. And I really want to actually demystify what it looks like to do church God's way. And if you see church as an organization, you see church as a meeting, then you're not going to understand this message. Church is about people. And so the question when we look at uh, the question of how to do things God's way is how do we as people live this out? How do we position ourselves? Not how do we have better announcements and things like that. That's not what I'm speaking about. How does God want us to be His church? What does it look like to do it His way? And I want to start with one of the most scary scriptures in the Bible when it comes to the church, for me personally. And for the longest time, I misunderstood the scripture because I thought, when I heard the scripture, I thought that God was writing this because it's Jesus that says this, not Jesus when he walked the earth, Jesus after he died and he was resurrected, he is in heaven. And he's writing this specific portion that we're going to read now. And for the longest time, I thought that this was directed at an individual meaning I thought Jesus was speaking to an individual or speaking to all of us and we need to listen. And later on did I only realize, only later on in my walk with God, that Jesus was not speaking to an individual. He was speaking to a church. And when you grasp that, when you look at the scripture, we're going to look at it together now, and you see that it was written to a church, that should, as a church and, the, and us coming together, that should scare us into a place of saying, Lord, never let this be us as a church. Never let it be us. And I'm going to dig into it for a bit. Revelation 3 verse 20. Remember, context. This is to a church. Jesus says, Behold, I, Jesus, stand at the door and knock. Whoa. Stop there. Jesus says, He's standing outside of a church. Not outside of a pub, not outside of your home. Standing outside of a church. People meeting like we are today. Standing outside of a church, He says, And I am knocking. I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. What the scripture is saying is Jesus is outside. He wants to come in. Let me say that in another way. The church is meeting, but Jesus isn't with them. They're worshiping. They're listening to a message. All the while, Jesus is standing outside. He's like, yes, I'd like to be included there. I'd love to be there. And my biggest prayer, in fact, when we started Staley's PM three and a half years ago, 40 people planted out of AM, and now it's grown to probably about 400 people. It's been an amazing journey. The first sermon I preached, you can just keep that scripture up a bit. This was the very first scripture that I read, and it's still in my heart to this day. My prayer was, Jesus, as we start this church under Josh Chen, but as we start this new congregation that has now multiplied into two, as we start this, Jesus, the biggest prayer of mine is, let this be a church where you are inside and not outside. <laughs> Help us to make this a church where your presence is actually with us and that you will never stand at the door and knock and say, my people, may I come in? We say, this is your house, Lord. And we as Christians are so naive, we think every church that exists that has the word church written above the door, Jesus is there. The Bible teaches us very clearly that is not the case. To some other churches, Jesus writes and he says, if you do not stop what you are doing, I'm going to take my lampstand from you, meaning I will remove my life from you. That is the Bible. That is Jesus, the loving Jesus that we know. He says, if you don't do this thing my way, if you don't build church my way, I will stop being with you. I'll stop being with you. 
There's a scary scripture in, uh, in, in uh, the Corinthian church that Paul writes to a church. He says, when you come together, your meetings do more harm than they do good. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine Jesus or Paul comes to us, Staley's PM, 6 PM, and he says, wow, oh, you guys, it looks so good, but when you come together, it's actually doing more harm than it is doing good. Have you ever thought about it like that? Have you ever thought that a church could be that? Do more harm and Jesus not actually be there. There's this funny story that I heard. It's a, it's a joke that a pastor usually makes with his church um, in, in the United States. Um, when he starts a meeting, he normally does this, or he's done this a few times. He says, and, and many churches can actually start like that. He's doing it sarcastically, but I think to a large extent, many churches, and we need to be careful that we don't become like that, but that we do it God's way. Many churches can say this truthfully. He says, welcome to church. Hope you're going to enjoy it with us today. It's going to be magnificent. And we're really trusting that God is going to pitch up and going to come and change our lives. But if he doesn't, we've got some worship planned for you. That's fine. We've got a good message. Got some announcements. It'll still be fun. <laughs> and he's saying it as a joke, but so easily we can get there as churches. Where we do our thing, but God is not included in our thing. And I want to say, the moment we get there, Run from this church. <laughs> the moment it becomes a church where God is standing on the outside, we'll speak about this now, how this actually looks, and we'll dig into it to evaluate whether we are that or not. And I don't believe we're there. We need to be careful, but I don't believe we're there. But the moment this becomes the reality, then I want to say, I do not want to be a church, be a member at a church where Jesus is not a member. <laughs> Anyone else? <laughs> I'd... Like, you can go to, it's like, uh, just let it sink in. You can be part of a church for 10, 15, 20 years. Jesus can be standing outside. I don't want to be part of that church. And I think it's easier to be part of that church than you know. Because something can be of the appearance of life, the appearance of godliness. But God is maybe not there. One of these churches, sorry, I'm bouncing around a bit. One of the other churches that Jesus writes to, he says, you have the appearance of life, but I say you are dead. Woo. You know these churches out there that looks alive? Social media is booming. <laughs> like, it looks so great. You visit there, you think, whoa, but Jesus can have another, another opinion of it. Let us never be a church where Jesus is standing on the outside. Let us be a church that hosts the presence of God. Because only when He is here, true life change can happen. Only when He is here, true salvation can happen. Yes, we can get hands in the air. We can get people dunked in water. We can have people being better human beings. But only when Jesus is there, when His presence is with us, lives will truly change for the glory of God. People will not only have a hand in the air, but lives will change. People will really get saved. People won't only be dunked in water. People will get baptized, transformed by the power of God. When Jesus is there, count me in if He's there. If He's not there, I don't want to be a member either. <laughs> But the beautiful thing about that scripture, you can just put it up, Revelation 3.20, you can keep it up there. He says, Jesus, the, the thing is, Jesus does desire to be in churches. He desires to be in all churches. It's not saying, standing there and saying, if you don't open up, I'm going to knock one more time. <laughs> time with my little girls at the moment. I'm trying to teach them obedience. Jesus is so much more gracious than I am. We've got three little girls. I say to them, I'm going to tell you one more time. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm going to discipline you, right? Interpret that how you may, right? <laughs> and I'm going to discipline you. Jesus is so patient. 
He stands outside of these churches and he says, I'm knocking, I want to come in. And you know, he gives us the solution on how to get him in. Listen to the solution. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Jesus is saying, all I need you to do is hear my voice. Listen to me. I will speak to you. I will tell you how to open up the door. But if you're going to be stubborn, I'm going to have to stand outside. There's a responsibility on us as church leaders, and not only that, in every person here to say, Jesus, I want to be the, the, uh, we want to be those people that hears your voice, and we hear his voice prophetically, but we also hear his voice through the scriptures. And he's given us his voice. He's, he's told us what he wants church to be like. And if we hear his voice and we do it according to his ways, he says, I will come in. I want to be with you. And it's going to benefit us. So I want to start with, I think, the biggest misperception we have is we think that if we want God to be with us, we just need to do the right things. I mean, surely if we worship, surely God is with us. Surely if we fast, God is with us. Surely if we preach from the Bible, God is with us. I want to say, I don't think it's that simple. I'm going to show you a scripture just in a moment. This is from the Old Testament, but it's still the kingdom of God. And God comes to his people, and I think they thought the same. You know, we can be so prideful. We can be like, obviously Jesus is with us because we're doing all the right things, things we think we see in the Bible. And in the Old Testament, the, the Hebrews, the Jews, they were the same. They thought, yeah, surely God is with us because we're doing the right things. We're keeping the festivals. We're singing songs to him. We're doing all of these things. But then God comes to them with this scripture. It's a scary scripture as well. Amos 5, verse 21 to 23. No, <laughs> joke sometimes and say, we, we speak about liver, liver, Jesus. Sometimes he's not so liver, liver, Jesus. <laughs> sometimes he comes with a sword. If all you know is the liver Jesus, you don't know the full Jesus. You don't know the full Jesus. There's, he, can be, he can flip over tables if he'd like. This is God speaking in the Old Testament. Jesus, throughout the Old and New Testament, God is always the same. He says, I hate, I despise your feasts. But God, it's feasts. It's for you. No, no, no. I despise it. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and your grain offerings, Lord, even though we pray, even though we worship, we, we give you these offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings you, of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. Listen, this, I'm, I'm hoping to scare you. We're going to get to the hopeful part later. <laughs> I'm hoping to scare you. You can walk into a church and they can do all the right things. They can play their harps, do all their things. It really doesn't mean that God is pleased with them. There's an author that says the following. I'm not going to mention his name, but I want you to read all his stuff. Some of it is dodgy. <laughs> it says, there are times when God hates our worship. There are churches he wants to shut down. <laughs> oh, you put it up there. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Some of his stuff is good, I must admit. <laughs> Not everything, though. I think he gets stuff around how the church should look. I don't think he gets it right completely. But anyway, Francis Chan. <laughs> Says there are churches he wants to shut down. So often we assume that as long as we show up to worship, God is pleased. The Bible tells us a different story. You know why this is a really a problem, why you can do all the right things? Because this is what we as humans do. Let's pretend for a moment that I 
lose my job in the church. Like, I'm not employed by the church anymore. I need to do something else. And let's pretend I'm obsessed with health. If I take off my shirt, you'll see I'm not obsessed with health. <laughs> I'm trying my best, but I'm not. And I'm like, I'm going to start this new business. It's, I'm going to call it, I've, I've got a thing, smoothies. Everyone loves a smoothie. Kawhi's doing good. Like, there's no competition to Kawhi. Let me do something else, all right? And I'm going to call it Leonard's Healthy Smoothies. <laughs> it's my business. I've got a sign, Leonard's Healthy Smoothies. Everyone's going to love it. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> You'll love it. And when you come to Leonard's Healthy Smoothies, and like I start this business, and I'm like, oh, I need to make it. I need to make some money. It's, this thing has got to work out. You just got to follow me here for a moment. And I think, oh, the problem is I'm not going to get enough people because there's Kawhi. And Kawhi's got all the, all the business, so I'm doing all the right things. I've got all the right ingredients. Like I've, I've, got, my, I've got my blender. I've got my smoothies. I've really got healthy things in there. But to make this... A successful business, I'm going to add ice cream, and I'm not going to tell anyone. <laughs> because people love, come on, who does not like ice cream, right? Anyone like ice cream? <laughs> Some of you, okay. <laughs> is there something wrong with you if you don't like ice cream? So I think to make this a successful business, <laughs> I will add ice cream to Leonard's Healthy Smoothies. <laughs> now, if I was honest, I would just call it Leonard's Smoothies plus ice cream, right? <laughs> But I'm not going to be honest. I'm going to do all the right things, but I'm going to add something sweet in there for the people. See, that is what God does not like. We call ourselves a church. The name is right. But many of us and many churches are not honest because we do the right things, but we don't do them in the right way. We've got our worship, but we just add a little bit of sweetness in there. Like what is going to be the songs that people will find uplifting that suits them? What are going to be the messages that tickle people's ears, that they like to hear, that will keep them coming back? Seven steps to success, those type of things. What are those things? How can I make the worship not too long so it's sweet enough so that people will come because it's church, but I'm doing it on people's terms. I'm, I'm looking at what will get people and not what will be the truth and what does God want. And it's so easy to build church like that. If we want to build a crowd, I really think we can double this church Quickly, we just need to be more professional than we are. Right. <laughs> we can do it. If we just add sweetness to it, if we make it nice, I'm telling you, more people will come because it's easier to follow on our terms than it is to follow on God's terms. <laughs> just add a bit of ice cream. Just make it a bit nicer. I'm not saying we shouldn't make it nice. I'm not saying there shouldn't be nice aspects of church. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we can be disingenuous. We can do the right things, but in the wrong way. Churches can have, look on the surface, everything can look good. It's the right thing, but it's done in the wrong way. The substance behind it is wrong. What God is looking for is he says, I, and we're going to look at it now. God gives us a pattern. He, he actually does give us a way to build church. I don't know if you know that. And this might be a strange sermon for you to listen to because you think, shouldn't this be preached to leaders? I don't think if we read the Bible, building a healthy church is not the responsibility of leaders. It is the responsibility of every single person because this structure is not the church. This building is not the church. You are the church. I am the church. Together we are the church. And so the reason we're preaching this message is it is up to all of us to say, God, what do you want? We will do it your way. Because we want you to be with us. 
And so God does actually in the Bible, He does provide us with ways of following Him, of following him and doing church. And the interesting thing is, when we try and ask ourselves, okay, what does God want? We, we really need to be so careful to, to really ask that question genuinely. Like, genuinely, God, what do you want? And before, I, I want to dig into one scripture tonight. Because the Bible says a lot, but I'm going to dig into one thing that I think he wants us to build according to. But before we get there, you need to ask yourself, do you really want to know how God wants church? It's a genuine question. Do you really want to know? And are you willing to adjust your life according to the way that he wants to do it? Because I'm telling you, it's not going to be easy. But the question is, are you willing? Because you know what? Many times when we come to church, I'll, I'll tell you honestly. I've got my preference for what church should look like. I'm going to tell you. I don't like long worship. Leonard, let's, I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't like it. It's like, it, it doesn't suit my personality. I don't like it when people speak in tongues in church. I'm like, that freaks me out. Still, I've been serving the Lord for, I don't know how many years, like lots of years. I've been serving Him. It still feels uncomfortable for me. I don't like it when worship gets interrupted sometimes like it does. It does not suit me. I don't like messages that go longer than 25 minutes. I'll just be honest with you. <laughs> I'll just be honest with you. That's my preference. I like church, here's Leonard's preference, with people that are like me, not people who are not like me. I'd prefer to be part of a church where there's people with kids, but now God's placed me in Stellenbosch. <laughs> like, I'd prefer, there's a lot that I would prefer, and if I were to come to you and say, what do you prefer with church, and some of you are church hopping, and that's probably a question that you're asking yourself, what do I prefer, I want to say to you, stop and I want to ask you genuinely, are you open to change your question to say, God, what do you prefer? Not what can I get, but God, what can I give you? How can I, how can I change the way that I do things for your sake? Genuinely ask yourself that question. Because if we're going to do it God's way, it is going to be contrary to your way. I promise you that. There's going to be things that he asks us to do as a church that is going to be uncomfortable for you. I don't like speaking to visitors. The Bible says that God welcomes the lonely into family. God is going to challenge me on that thing. He's going to challenge me. And I, I feel like when we get into the scripture, God is going to come and he's going to challenge you. So the first question that you need to answer is, Lord, am I willing? Am I willing? So I'm going to read you a scripture now. I'm going to stop every now and then. And just pause and just explain what I see there. The problem with the scripture is many of you are going to switch off when I put it there. <laughs> because you've heard it so many times. But I want to tell you a quick story. Before I do that, it's, it's in the book of Acts, the scripture. Acts 2, 42 to 47. <laughs> many of you have heard it so many times. It's like a bit of a mantra for us as Josh Jane. It's something we always want to go back to. Because what it is, it's a snapshot of the early church. I think the healthiest church to ever be in existence. Okay? But if you're starting to switch off now, allow me to just tell you one story quickly. <laughs> because I think we don't go back to the scripture enough. And some of you are like, I've heard that before. Old sermon, Tupperware sermon. Come on, Leonard, get something new. <laughs> but I think I, I want to tell you one story. So there's this guy, Rodney Kirkpatrick. He's a prophet. Basically, what it means is I think some, some people just have a special ability to hear from God for other people better than others. Like somehow God really just speaks to him for other people to build up the body of Christ. I see it in the Bible as well. 
And Rodney tells the story that he was in a church of about 100 people a few years ago. And him and his wife have really got the ability to go into a church and prophesy to each individual. They'll go through all 100 people and prophesy to all of them, <laughs> like what they believe God is saying. And I've really seen him prophesying really accurately. So goes to this church and prophesy to every single person. A year later, they've gone to like hundreds of other churches, prophesy to thousands of other people. A year later, they go back to the same church prophesy to people and they go through all hundred yet again. After the meeting, one by one, these people start coming back, basically all of them saying, Rodney Trina, it's so weird, I don't understand this, but you basically prophesied the exact same thing that you prophesied a year earlier to me. Some of them say word for word, you said the same thing that you prophesied a year ago. And Rodney's dumbfounded, he's like, this doesn't make sense to me. But he feels God speaking to them in that moment, and he, he feels God saying to him, ask them whether they've done anything about the previous prophecy. <laughs> ask them whether they're living it out. Now, I want to say the same thing with the Scripture. Some of you have heard this a thousand times. Some of you, this will be the first time you're hearing it. It's, it really is a picture that I believe we need to build church according to. These, uh, these other things as well, but this is one that we need to keep coming back to. You've heard it a thousand times. My question is, what have you done about it? <laughs> Are you living it? Don't get bored with it. Come back to it. So let's, let's go into it. And as I read through it, I want you to ask yourself two questions. Firstly, are you living it? It's the question that I just got to. Secondly, are you helping others live it? That's what we need to do. So Acts, uh, Acts of the Apostles 2 verse 42 to 47. I don't know what translations, translation you have. ESV. NLT, do you have it? Okay. So, you think I'm going to read the first sentence? I want to start with the first word. <laughs> Please say it with me. All. <laughs> Let's say that one more time. All. <laughs> okay. All the believers. No, you don't have to gain. Sorry, some of you <laughs> can see. All the believers devoted themselves I want to stop with that word all before we go any further. God's vision for church is not 60%. It's not 70% being devoted. It's not even 99% being devoted. It is everyone that is part of the church devoted, giving themselves, devoting themselves to the Lord and to the Lord's people. All. So what are we aiming for as church? The aim is that there would be no pew warmers here. The aim is, and let me tell you, God has got grace and will walk this road for you, but the aim is that we would commit in our hearts that we would not be spiritual oxygen thieves. <laughs> that we would not just come to church and think, oh, the others are doing it, the others are living this, I'm just going to be in, I'm just going to receive. That is not the biblical vision of what church is supposed to be. Biblical church is where all people are devoted to the Lord and to the church. All What's a good, if you, if you start moving in ministry circles, it's sometimes interesting for me to ask pastors, how many of your people that come on Sundays are in home groups or in communities, meet on Wednesdays? And it's so interesting to hear their thoughts because that gives you an idea of what they think of the scripture and how they build church. Some of them, it's very few. Communities or home groups, it's just a side thought. It's like, yeah, we, no, we do have those groups for those who want to. I'm like, I, Jesus doesn't give us the ability to just like, if we want to. <laughs> I 
I think he's like, no, 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 all need to be in each other's homes, all of them. And some people will say, no, we've got a lot. We've probably got 60 or 70%. I'm like, that's, you can't stop working then. <laughs> like, that's not enough. Jesus is saying 100%. 100%. And not only do we'll get to this 100% in communities, I don't think, I think 100% actively involved in each other's lives. All of us. So if you knew here, this is a high call. We are not going to leave you alone to just be a lukewarm Christian. Because that's not how God wants to build church. <laughs> we are going to push and pray for you. And we are going to speak to you and have coffees with you. And we are going to challenge you until we see all being devoted. When there's worship, it's not just a radical 10 in the front. Woo-woo-woo-woo. Christian pogo. <laughs> And then we've got our people at the back, like, oh, sussing things out. That is not the vision of this church. I want to say it again. All. All. All what? All the believers devoted themselves. Meaning the leaders didn't devote them. The leaders didn't have to push and pull and say, please come to prayer meeting. Please come and run with us. Please don't miss too many Sundays. Please come to community. That is not devotion. Devotion is that you do it even when you're not, not asked to do it. <laughs> devotion is a decision that you make in your heart that someone doesn't have to push you the whole time. <laughs> it's really interesting. I want to like, like, want to like, <laughs> I'm not going to say that again. <laughs> I want to challenge you for a moment because <laughs> uh, it's easy to sit here and be like, yeah, I'm devoted. I'm going to give you a practical example. Now, I've told, this, I've told you this so many times. I don't like speaking about finances. It is, it is uh, misused in the church all over. So if you know me, please, you know that I'm not doing this to misuse it. I'm not doing this to manipulate you. I'm not doing this because we need your money. I'm not doing this because my salary is falling or I'm not getting a bonus. Okay. <laughs> it's like, please believe me. This has nothing to do with this. I want to use this to look into your heart to see whether... Devotion is there. Devotion is when no one is looking, I still do it because I do it for Jesus and not for people. That's what it is. One of the interesting ways to see devotion for me in the church, I lead Staley's PM, is to look at how many people are giving financially towards the church. The Bible says, where your heart is, there your treasure will also be. If you are devoted to fitness, you're going to put money into gym. <laughs> if you are devoted to beauty, you're going to put money into makeup. If you devote it to God and His kingdom, you are going to put money into His people, into the church. I believe that. Unapologetically, I believe that. And it's so interesting, when we've got our finance teachings, so, so the office sends me this thing once a month, and it's just a basic recap of what's happening in our finances as a congregation. And it's really interesting to see. It's not to manipulate in any way, it's just to see where are people's hearts. Actually, that's what I use it for. And one of the metrics on there, that's the first thing that I look at. I don't, I don't firstly look at how much money are we getting in as a church. We basically never cover our bases as Staley's PM. Like the others, we like Robin Hood. We steal from the rich to feed the poor, basically, <laughs> as a congregation. <laughs> we don't, we're not like the richest financially. Other congregations actually look after us to a large extent. We, we're getting there. We're starting to carry our own, which is great. Why am I saying this again? <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> 
So the first thing that I look at on that form, it's really interesting, is not necessarily how much money comes in, but how many people are giving. Because I know more or less how many people we are on Sundays. I know how many people are in home groups. I know those things. So I just want to see how many people are giving. It is so interesting, November, December, January, when the students go out, how the amount of people that give drop. See, it's not for me the the amount that you give. Jesus told that story of the widow's might. He says, I don't really care about the thousands or the one rand or the ten rand that you can give. I just want to know, do I have your all? And he looks into that lady's heart and he says, she has given more than the person who's given a lot. I don't really care if it's 10 rand or 10,000 rand. That's not the point for me. The point is when someone's not asking you, when someone's not reminding you, are you devoted to this thing? Are you devoted to his church or is it when it suits you? When there's money left at the end of the month? Community. If there's something better happening on a Wednesday evening, are you devoted to that or are you devoted to God's people first? I'm not saying you can't miss ever. Please, don't hear me wrong. But is your first inclination to say, sorry, I've got community. I'll, I'll check if I can miss it. Church, you've had a rough Saturday night. You've got studies. It is, how easy is it for you to say, oh, I've got other things on? Because the church that we want to build, we want to have devoted people. I'd rather have less people in here and have it devoted than have this place full to the max, and be it not devoted. Because I think in the end, when Jesus comes and he tests this church by fire, the Bible says, a lot of it will burn away. I'd rather have most of it staying and not burning away because it's built according to his pattern. Would I love this place fuller? Amen, hallelujah. More people. (laughs) There are many more people who need to be reached, but I'd love it to be, according to the Bible's way, all the believers devoted themselves. That's what I'd love. They devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching. That's to the Bible, firstly, I believe. Are we giving ourselves to the Bible, doing things according to the Bible? Also to the apostles' teaching. I believe there are modern-day apostles who, who are those people. They don't write Scripture. They don't write that level. But they help keep the church healthy. Normally, we hear from those people at things like gatherings like we had yesterday. Listen, I'm not here to judge you. You walk this thing out with God. I want to be at the place where wherever I know that there's the apostles' teaching, people giving us direction as the church, that's my first priority. Yesterday was a big priority for me. The question is, is it for you? They devoted themselves to fellowship. That's so weird. That's not only Sundays, that's not only Wednesdays. Fellowship is when we come together. Are you devoted to fellowship? Are you devoted to not only following Jesus, but loving his people? Where do your friendship groups, maybe I'm going to, I don't even know how long I've been going. Anyway, I'll, I'll say sorry afterwards. <laughs> but when you look at your friendship groups, who are the people who've got the most influence in your life that you spend the most time with? Now, Jesus hung out with sinners. Yes, he did. We can't withdraw from the world and not be in the world. But primarily, primarily Jesus was with the disciples. I want to ask you, are you primarily with God's people? That is being devoted to fellowship. When I'm primarily with the church and with God's people, that is how we build our lives. We live here, this is our home, and then we reach out to the world. Then we live here, this is our home, then we reach out to the world. You don't live with the world and come to church when it suits you. That's not the way that God does it. Some of you need to go to your friendship groups and say, sorry, I'm not going to see you guys as much anymore because I want to be with God's people primarily. I'm not writing you off. I'm not never going to speak to you. 
but I need to spend most of my time there and reach out to you guys. Because if you're going to spend all your time with them, guess who's going to be the bigger influence on you? The world, them, your unsaved friends. That's not where you make your home. Some of you don't like this message. Please, rest it like, I don't like that you don't like it. Because <laughs> it's not nice for me saying things that you don't like. But the question is, are you going to move away? Are you going to hear God's voice and do it differently? If we are a devoted people, God will be here. Because that's how he wants to build church. Some of you, I don't know why I'm like, I, don't, I didn't even prepare this. Some of you genuinely have to go cut all friendships. Some of you need to stop spending time with people that you're spending time with. And invest more into the people in your community, into the people sitting here, into people who love God. That's so difficult. That doesn't mean you don't love them. It actually means that you, in order to love them, you need to first build into yourself so that you can reach out to them. You're not making an influence by making that your home. Okay, I'm going to move on. I just really feel this heavily that there needs to be a response to that. Um, and these people, the church that Jesus dreams of, they shared meals, including the Lord's Supper, so they, they ate together. It's not like we don't just do Sundays, we don't just do Wednesdays. We eat together, hallelujah. <laughs> and to pray, are we praying? Are we coming together in prayer? A deep sense of awe came over them. Oh, shucks, I've lost you. <laughs> okay. A deep sense of awe came over them. <laughs> All. All of them were in awe. And the apostles performed miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers, again that word all, yes, all of them met together in one place and shared everything that they had. It's so funny, if you become part of Josh and we, um, we've got this saying, what's in my fridge is yours and what's in your fridge is? <laughs> okay. That's just a silly little thing that we say, but actually we need to mean it because that's the biblical way. <laughs> the biblical way is like, I share everything that I have with you because we are family. We are spiritual family. Some of you think, hallelujah, because I've got nothing in my fridge. <laughs> Better stock up. We need to share with each other. <laughs> because that is the way that God wants to teach us, right, and wants to use us. <laughs> There's this, um, the, the guys in the Netherlands, I've heard that they've got a saying. There's a, a very healthy church that we partner with there. Uh, when you use one of their cars or whatever, um, and you say, thanks for letting me use your car. They'll say, what are you talking about? It's not my car. It's God's car. So you're just using God's car. It doesn't belong to me. Thanks for letting me eat some of your food. What do you mean? It's not my food. It's God's food. <laughs> thanks for letting me catch a lift. What do you mean? <laughs> I was just driving to God's people. You can jump in. I don't care. <laughs> Isn't that the way that it should be? Like, yeah, we share. We help each other. We love each other. That's the biblical view of church. Again, it's not just coming, sitting in a pew, going home afterwards and thinking, oh, that was a great message. I'll be a better person afterwards. That's not what it's about. It's about sharing our lives. Um, they sold their properties and possessions and shared the money with those, who ha with those in need. Yes, there are going to be needy people amongst us. Now, I'm not speaking about people who just come because they have need. That's not right. If you come and you have a need, that's different than coming because you have a need financially. Those who come and they have a need, we have a responsibility to say we will care for them. If you genuinely come and you want to serve God with us, you're not coming for selfish motives, then we've got that, we've got that responsibility. They worship together 
at the temple each day. Oh my, that's challenging. For some of us, a Sunday is difficult and a Wednesday. And then sometimes you guys, Josh, ask us to come on a Saturday. Oh my word. The church that God is looking for, and that comes back to that friendship thing, each day. Each day they were together. They met in homes, not just in beautiful buildings, for the Lord's Supper. So they didn't just come and get around to get it to each other to play video games and whatever. It was around Jesus that they gathered. Some of our gatherings, some of the times we can come together can just be spontaneous. We can laugh. We can be human beings. That's fine. We need to have that. But some of it we need to include the Lord in and say, hey, let's just pray together a bit. Let's read the Bible together a bit. What is God doing in your heart? We need to have those type of friendships with each other. Um, um, Metanomes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and, joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. A church that is built according to Jesus' way will have people getting saved in it. <laughs> it won't just be transfer growth from other churches. It'll be people actually coming and giving their lives to Jesus, being baptized. That's what I believe the true church needs to be. Now, am I saying you can't come from another church? Yeah, no. I, I, I honestly think if, um, if a church is not like reflecting Jesus well, I, there are multiple reasons to leave a church. I don't think you should do it willy-nilly. I think you should speak to the leaders. I think you should do it respectfully. But if a church isn't building according to the Bible's way, or not trying to at least, let me say that, because we're all going to fail, but not trying to. I think there are valid reasons to sometimes leave a church. But that can't be the main way in which we grow as a church. There needs to also be salvations. People that we reach out to that don't know the Lord or think they know the Lord. There's probably many more of them. And come alongside and get saved here. I'd love to see more salvations here. That is the way that Jesus wants to build this church. So I hope some of this is making sense to you. If we do it God's way, if we go to his pattern, there's many more scriptures that speak about it, doing, doing it God's way, then God will be with us. Then this will be a church that I want to be part of. <laughs> if he's a member here, I want to be a member too. So okay, maybe can we stand? So, I want to call out a few people just for response as we end. Um, the, last, last week there were so many visitors, there's probably lots of visitors here, and the normal thing with people visiting a church is you want to make them feel as comfortable as possible. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, this was the wrong Sunday that you chose to visit. Because <laughs> I actually, if you're visiting here, I actually want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you. I want to say this is how we're going to do church. This is really, and I want to speak to all of us, the visitors included. This is the way that we're going to build. We are never going to budge from this. We're never going to budge from Scripture. This is the vision that God has set for us, and we want Him to be with us. This is the way we're going to do it. And we are going to run. We are going to be those radical, crazy people that just like go for God and forget about the world. <laughs> those are the type of people that we are. We be, and so if you, if, if you are a visitor coming here, I know the first thing that you, coming, that, that you come and say is, what can I get from this church? 
Is it nice? Does the worship suit me? Does the message suit me? Were the people friendly? All of those things are good. It's fine. But I want to say the most important thing that you should ask is, is this a church that has the right vision? They're heading in the right direction so that I can jump on board and give. Don't only ask, what can I receive? Ask, is this a place where I can give? (laughs) Is this a vision I can give myself to? Are they trying to build church in a healthy way? So yes, you come to receive, that's fine. But primarily, are you okay to give with us? Otherwise, this might not be the place for you. For the rest of you, this is what we're going to go for. We're going to lay our lives down for this thing. We're going to sacrifice what we need to. We want to build a church for the glory of Jesus where He is. It's going to be uncomfortable. I want to ask you, in a big sense, we're filling up week by week. We need your pew. (laughs) If you are going to be here and you're not going to give yourself to this vision, if you're not going to say, I will run for Jesus, I will run with these people, I will give my life, then maybe this isn't the church for you. That's a way to grow a church, hey? (laughs) Tell people maybe you shouldn't come. Look, I'd love you to, and Jesus would love you to. I'd love you to, but honestly, I want to do it for the glory of God. That's how we want to do it. You can join us. We'd love that. (laughs) But you need to do it for the glory of God too, according to His pattern. And so I, yeah, I want to just make a few calls. So firstly, um, I think some of us, some of us, I made the same call at 4 p.m., I preached a different message, but it was similar in some way. I think some of us, there's two categories that we can fall into. The one is we do the Jesus thing, but we're not so into the church thing. (laughs) We're like, yeah, that's fine. I'll go to church. I'll be part of church, but I'm like a Jesus guy. You know, Jesus is a church guy. (laughs) uh, um, There's a beautiful scripture. I'm not going to go into it now. Where Jesus says to Paul, who was persecuting the church, he says to him, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus is saying that, speaking about the church, and then he's saying, but you're persecuting me. You know, Jesus is not separated from the church. He is the head, we are the body. You cannot be a head guy without being the body guy. Have you ever seen a chicken losing its head? <laughs> it has a bit of movement for a while, but it dies in the end. You will die spiritually if you don't become a church guy as well, or a church woman. You'll look like you've got the appearance of life. There might be a kick or two in you, but Jesus' way is if you want to be connected to the head, be connected to the body as well. Some of you are Jesus people. I know it. You want to love Jesus. You've got the right heart, but you've never seen this vision. You haven't been willing to say, well, God, I will change my life. I will help others. I will do it your way. I'll be a, a church guy. Maybe you're disillusioned. Maybe you don't, I don't know, for whatever reason, you've got church hurt. But I think God is calling us to say, will you carry this vision with me? Will you give yourself to that? And so I want to make a call in a moment. I'm going to ask us to respond. And I think there'll be lots of us. A, 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 a new wave of us just saying, Lord, I want to do it your way. I want to do it your way. That's the first call. The second call, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes in a moment for this. I'll start with this one. Is There's lots of people, maybe you're a church guy or a church girl, meaning you're sitting here tonight. And there's enough in you to actually come to church, but you're not necessarily a Jesus guy or a Jesus girl. <laughs> meaning you come to church, maybe you've grown up in church, or you're just here tonight, but you haven't met with the Savior yet. You haven't met with the boss of the church. That's not me, by the way. <laughs> It's Jesus. You haven't met with Him. You haven't given your life to Him. You haven't surrendered your life to Him. You cannot do church before you firstly surrender your life to the boss of the church. 
to the lead pastor, Jesus. So maybe just close your eyes where you are, all of us. You can look like a Christian, come to church, but if you haven't given your life to him, surrender to him, you will not be saved, the Bible says. And when he died on that cross, he died for a beautiful bride, a beautiful church, and he wants to make you part of that beautiful church. But the Bible tells us that if you want to come into right standing with God, it's not just about joining a church. It's not just about going on a Sunday. It's firstly making your life right with Him. You need to come to Him and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for living a life that didn't please you, for doing my own thing. And please, Lord, give me a new life. That's where it starts. The Bible says you need to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And then He will save you. He died on a cross so that you can be set free, delivered, and be renewed tonight, actually. So I'm going to start with that. Just with all the eyes closed, if you are here tonight and you've backslidden, you've fallen away from Jesus, and you want to come back to Him, or you've never prayed that prayer with someone, you've never made a public declaration that you want to be saved, that you want to give your life to Jesus, if you've never done that, I want to ask you in a moment to raise your hand. I'm going to count to three. See if this works. But to be bold, so if you're standing there and you're nervous now, that's okay. But you need to confess Him before people if you want Jesus to confess you in front of the Father. That's what the Bible says. So be bold, be courageous. Today say, Lord, I'm putting up my hand. I want to be in right standing with you. I want to give my life to you. Okay, one, raise your hand if it's just you. Two, three. Thank you so much. Just keep your hand up. Keep your hand up, please. Don't let it down. Don't be shy now if you've started this. Some of the leaders, if you can come around these people, just keep up your hands. God wants to come and do a miracle in your life now. The biggest miracle is not someone blind seeing. It's if a spiritual blind person starts to see. That's the biggest miracle. The biggest miracle is salvation, and he wants to give it to you today. Some guys there next to the wall, please. There at the back, we've still got the hands. Guys, anyone, if you think you're a leader or you want to be a leader, go. <laughs> Let's go pray for those people. Just lay your hands on them. This is the biggest miracle of tonight. In heaven, this is the highlight. <laughs> not the preach, not the worship. This will be the highlight. So I'm going to ask you, if, if that's you, if you raise your hand now, thank you there at the top as well. If you raise your hand now, this is a beautiful moment. This is like incredible. I'm going to ask you to out loud, just pray a prayer after me. This is, it's not about the specific words, but we want to together celebrate and rejoice with you. If you're standing around them, even as they pray, if we can just stretch out our hands to them to say, Lord, come and do a miracle in their lives. Pray this prayer after me. And then with the people around you, I'm going to give you a chance to, in your own words, to say a simple prayer to Jesus. It's just sorry and thank you. Sorry for my past, Lord. Thank you for a new life in you. So just pray after me and then do it in your own words after this. Jesus Christ, thank you that you died on a cross for my sins. I'm sorry for not responding to the times that you've called me. I'm sorry for living my own life, doing my own thing, living in sin. I want to give my heart to you, give my life to you, and live to you. Please forgive me 
Make me new. Make me a new creation. Wash away the old and give me a new life. Do a miracle in me. Oh, please, Lord, forgive me. So just where you are, just in your own words, out loud, Afrikaans, English, also whatever language you speak, just speak to the Lord. Just take a moment. Just say it in your own words. Be brave, be bold. I know this is scary. Just ask, say, sorry, Lord, for the past. Thank you for the future. The rest of us, let's just pray for them where they are. This is a big moment.